Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. During the chaotic days of the Vietnam War, the North Vietnamese Army closing in on Saigon as South Vietnamese resistance crumbles. The United States has only a skeleton crew of diplomats and military operatives still in the country. As communist victory becomes inevitable and the U.S. readies to withdraw, some Americans begin to consider the uncertain imprisonment and possible death of their South Vietnamese allies, co-workers, and friends. This is the basis of this wonderful documentary uh, by Rory Kennedy. It's called The Last Days in Vietnam, um, um, an award-winning do- uh, filmmaker in, your, in her own right. She is responsible for such uh, documentaries as Ghost of Abu Ghraib. Thank you, Mr. President, Helen Thomas at the White House, American Hollow, A Boy's Life, and, and Pandemic Facing AIDS. The director of this film, Last Days in Vietnam, Rory Kennedy, joins us here today on Film School. Rory, welcome to Film School. It's great to be here. Thank you, and thank you so much for this film. Um, it is, uh, for most Americans alive today, this is uh, seems to be, would be ancient history, if they even know much about the history at all of Vietnam and the aftermath of Vietnam. Tell us a little bit about your decision to move forward on a documentary about this phase of American history. Well, I, Vietnam has always been, uh, been fascinated with that war, and I think it's a seminal moment in American history. Um, I was interested in looking at the, the final days of the war, both because we're uh, coming up on the 40th anniversary in April of, of the fall of Saigon, and as we were in the midst when I started this of getting out of Iraq and Afghanistan, I thought that perhaps there were some insights at this moment in history to what was happening now. Um, and I think I, like many people, were, I was familiar with that iconic image of the helicopter leaving from what I thought was the embassy. I then found out that, in fact, it wasn't the embassy. But I didn't really have a great handle on all the events that took place that led to that moment and why we got into that circumstance and situation. And as I started doing research, I was really blown away by the drama and the events as they unfolded and, you know, felt pretty instantly that I, I felt like this was both an important documentary and would make a dramatic film. Um, was was there something specific or a, maybe two things, whatever it was, however uh, many it might have been, uh, things that you, you had little or no idea and, and you found out, obviously, in the making of this film? Something that jumped out? Well, I have to say that I was really... Um, blown away by how much I didn't know. And in sharing this film with audiences, that is the dominating reaction from people, that we all think we know what happened, but we know that, you know, there was a helicopter from what we think is the embassy, and we might know that there were helicopters pushed off of the uh, ships out at sea. But why that happened, what those circumstances were, how many people were in the country, knowledge of the Paris Peace Accord, that the airport got bombed, that, you know, people were leaving on boats and airplanes and helicopters, 
that why there was such a desperation to get out of the country. I think all of those questions people, most people don't really have a handle on. And even people who've studied this, this time in history see the film and they, you know, there's a sense of them learning so much. I think the other thing that was, um, that really struck me in doing the research for this is uncovering these really remarkable stories of Americans and South Vietnamese who went against U.S. policy, which at that time was to just get the Americans out of the country and did what they could to save as many South Vietnamese as possible. And, you know, our story and film really documents these extraordinary stories that really nobody knows about, and I certainly wasn't uh, aware of. Um, the, the, US, the story of the USS Kirk, for example, yeah. which was a ship that was in the South China Sea, and it was there to protect the fleet, which was further out to the sea. So basically what happened was there were helicopters going from the fleet in the South China Sea to the embassy, picking people up at the embassy, and bringing them back to the fleet. The reason they were using the embassy is because the airport had been bombed, and this was really the only way out of the country, aside from boats at this at this point. And so what happened was, the um, even though the South Vietnamese Air Force had basically fallen apart, there were still they still had access to their Huey helicopters and there were still pilots there and so the pilots started getting into their helicopters and filling them with as many South Vietnamese as possible, their families, their children, their friends, colleagues, and chasing the American helicopters out to sea. But mm. they had no communication with the American helicopters. They didn't know if they would be able to land. And they took this incredible risk, which, you know, you can imagine putting your family in a helicopter and heading out to sea and not knowing if there was a place to land and feeling like that was a better choice than staying behind. I mean, it speaks to such an incredible level of desperation. And the USS Kirk then saw these Hueys and they started coming towards the Kirk. They didn't know if they were enemy, who they were. They started hovering above them. And the captain made the decision, you know, let's bring the first one down, see who's in there. And 13 South Vietnamese climbed out of the airplane. Mm. And then they, of course, were in a situation where they had no room for more helicopters because that's not what their purpose was. And the crew said to the captain, what do we do with this helicopter? (laughs) And the captain said, throw it overboard. Let's make room for the next group. And they did that over and over and over again. And we have, you know, some really incredible footage that documents that. I, w- I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Rory Kennedy. She's the director of the new documentary in theaters as of today. That would be September 19th here in Los Angeles uh, called Last Days in Vietnam. Uh, Rory will be at the uh, New Art Theater tonight for a screening of the film Last Days in Vietnam. Which screening will you be at, Rory? I will be at the screening this evening at, uh, I believe it's 7 or 7.30. Okay. And then uh, did I read, did I see where you're, you're flying up to San Francisco for a screening tomorrow night? Is that, am I got there? Next right? weekend it Next opens week. in San Francisco. Okay. On, um, so I'll, I'll be there on Friday the 26th. Because people are listening from all over the country here in film school, so let's let them know. And the film is opening. You can go to uh, the film lastdaysinvietnam.com to find out 
uh, more information about the film and um, and about where you'll be and and all. Um, so and it, you you mentioned the footage and which is just remarkable. Uh, how many was there a lot of different sources for this uh, uh, film or how just where did all this amazing film uh, footage come from? Well, we. It, that was a big priority of mine in um, developing this film is to really invest in, in a team to help uh, research and, and do the archival um, searching. Yeah. And and so, you know, we went through the usual sources, uh, sources, ABC, NBC, CBS, that went into their archive houses and um, went to the source material so that we have new footage in there that, you know, very few people have ever seen before. But then we also got very lucky. I have been in communication with a man who worked with the Department of the U.S. Navy and in their preservation unit, and he was in part responsible for helping to uncover the story of the USS Kirk. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And so he, I had um, been in contact with him and told him I really wanted to, you know, share that story in my film. And then he said to me, well, you know, I was talking to a guy who was a sailor on the Kirk, and he said that he had been up in his attic recently and ca- came across a box of Super 8 undeveloped footage. God from the Kirk at that time, and would I be interested in it? So, of wow. course, I said, yes, <laughs> be very interested, and I called him the next morning at 9 o'clock, <laughs> and um, I was then in California, and he was very protective of his footage, understandably, and so he wouldn't let me FedEx it out, so I, I get, sent him an airplane ticket and flew him out <laughs> to California, and we developed it, and it's just a treasure trove it- of, you know, these kind of extraordinary stories that... I've been talking about with the helicopters, and you right. know, there's another one that he helps document of a uh, Chinook helicopter, which are the huge helicopters yeah. with two propellers. Yeah. And he, this Chinook helicopter came up to the Kirk, and the Kirk um, crew waved him away because there was there's kind of a pole in the middle of the Kirk, and there was no way he could land without jeopardizing that pole, which would compromise the entire ship, as well as the helicopter. And so they waved the guy away, but it turned out that he was running out of gas, and he couldn't get anywhere else. And that he had his entire family in the helicopter. He had his five children, including an eight-month-old baby and, you know, a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and his wife, as well as other people. And so he felt, you know, he had no other choices. And so he pulled up um, and started hovering just above the Kirk and above this pole. So it was probably about 18 feet overhead. And the Kirk is moving through the water probably at seven knots. And he hovers and opens the door of the helicopter and proceeds to then throw his children and his wife out of the helicopter into, thankfully, the arms of the crew on the USS Kirk. But, you know, can you imagine throwing your eight-month-old baby? No. I mean, it's such an extraordinary moment. And that, and you know, this Dan Lucero's his footage, we have photographs and moving images that help document this whole story. And he throws them overboard. They catch them. And then, of course, the helicopter pilot, who's the father, still has the helicopter, and he can't jump out. 
above the kirk. So he takes it over to the starboard side of the ship. He leans the helicopter over to the right, and he jumps out the left side of the helicopter. And he goes crashing down. The helicopter goes crashing down. There's a huge explosion. And he disappears, and then there's dead silence, and 30 seconds later, he pops up. Um, And everybody cheers, and, you know, it's such an extraordinary time in history, and this moment is captured, and these choices people are having to make are so incredible and so dramatic and, and really speak, I think, so deeply about this moment in history and the choices people were being forced to make. And the desperation of those choices, and um, yeah. Well, I, I think in in a film like this, anytime you see in a title of anything, even to this day, Vietnam, it, there it is. It is to me the bright line dividing this country to this day. I think the ramifications of the war in Vietnam resonate to this day in, in throughout our politics and culture and social interactions and the rest of it. Well, the it, thing is, I agree with you and. You know, I think you're absolutely right. And But one of the things that's exciting about this film and this moment in history is that, you know, it's it's in the context of a really dark moment and certainly not right. our our proudest hour where we are abandoning our allies, right. you know, and, and it's, it's a- absolute desertion on our part. But in that context, there are, are these extraordinary people who do the right thing, yeah. and yeah. both Americans and South Vietnamese. And to kind of see that, you know, and it really kind of brings out the best in these people. And, right. you know, I think it, I certainly watch the film still, and it makes me so proud of these individuals. Oh. Not proud of American policy, right? for sure. And I think that, you know, it, it but, distinguishes very clearly between the two. Right. But these individuals did did the right thing. And that's a story that really hasn't been told and I think helps um, us have a better understanding of not only, you know, this moment in history, but the war overall. And I agree. And I was, and to your point, and I I agree that no matter what the macro politics of all, all of the war in Vietnam and the surrounding hoopla that has continued to dog our country, it is within that, as you said, within this context, it is this. This is a story. This is the micro. This is the. This is the actual on the ground people having to deal with what was in front of them in those waning days, weeks, and days before the actual final days of Vietnam. As a, as a, um, for us as as Americans. And you're, to your point, you're absolutely right. The, these these people did remarkable things. You just pointed. You talked about the Kirk. There are all kinds of things uh, that were done. Um, and, and I'm, I want to make sure I get the right person, uh, the, uh, was it McBride? Who was the gentleman who, who, no. Oh. Stu Harrington? Stu Harrington, who was, he was leaving, who really was the last person out who, who had to leave behind those, uh, several hundred people in the, in the U.S. Yeah, so Stu Harrington is a real hero of our yeah. film, and yeah. he, he helped initiate the Black Ops, which was an operation to get people out of the country before the country fell on April 29th and Saigon fell on April 29th. And in anticipation that that was going to happen, he, he and a group of other men started this 
basically illegal operation that was under the radar of the ambassador who was opposed to any evacuation plan at that point. That's uh, Graham Um, Martin. Graham Martin, correct. Mm -hmm. And so he started this this black ops to get people out on cargo aircraft and would sneak them into the airport in these vans, the back of vans, and get them in the back of cargo aircraft. And that was a very successful mission. But then he went on once the airport got bombed and the evacuation moved entirely out of the U.S. Embassy, almost entirely out of the U.S. Embassy, he then, um, and they were evacuating people and trying to get as many Vietnamese in the helicopters as possible because they knew once all of the Americans were gone that the evacuation would stop. Yeah. And, and, and Graham Martin, even though, you know, he made, um, I think, decisions that weren't, you know, weren't so helpful early on in not greenlighting the evacuation during these final hours was very heroic himself. And yeah did everything he could and refused to get on any helicopters himself to make sure that the Vietnamese got out. But in any case, the evacuation was then halted at around uh, 3.45 in the morning. Graham Martin uh, got a presidential order, so he got in the helicopter. Um, He had no other choice, really, at that point. And then they said, there are going to be no other helicopters for Vietnamese, and we're just going to get the American personnel who was on the ground then out of the country. And so Stu Harrington was then in a position where he had to tell the 422 Vietnamese who were still in the embassy and had full expectation to be leaving because they were told they were on American ground and they would be safe now. Um, he had to tell them that we would get them out, that they shouldn't worry. And then he snuck up behind the embassy. Mm. He went up to the top of the roof and left on a helicopter and with the door open saw the 422 people left behind and, you know, thought how wrong this was with tears in his eyes. Well, uh, but as you said, to his credit, he had organized the uh, ec- evacuation of hundreds, if not thousands of people, he, not for want of trying, were those 422 people yes, left behind. Yes, and, so. you know, this was not his decision. Right. This was a decision that was forced upon him. And so, you know, I think that he... He holds that responsibility on his own shoulders, but my hope is that, you know, we see this film and we take a little bit of that weight off of him because, of course, it's our collective responsibility having had made that decision and been in that war and and all the things that um, and all the implications that it yeah. has. And, Roy, to your credit and to the credit of the film, the, the humanity, again, coming back to this idea, the humanity of these individuals and these groups of people, I mean, banding together to do everything they could in, uh, to make uh, what's possible in an impossible set of circumstances for those people um, is a remarkable document. It's a remarkable film, and just one that um, I urge everyone to go out and see, and if not, for no other reason, to understand uh, a little bit better uh, the history of, of our country and, and of the people who very committed people doing the right thing uh, under, as I said, the most trying of circumstances. Um, it's this the uh, watching your film to see this footage. It's just amazing. I have to tell you, I, I uh, that alone, the, your ability to gather together all this, and then the access to all these people, and, and as sort of a historic footnote, what I believe, if I'm not mistaken, watching the film, the very last American to step 
foot off of the soil of Vietnam during this period of time. Was that one Valdez? Was he literally the last man to step off the off that embassy? Grounds? Well, he was the last Marine, Marine. to leave. There okay. were, you know, there were a, there was uh, some reporters who stayed behind. Yes, yes, that's true. And then there were. Um, I understand there were about 30 Americans who who were still, you know, stayed in country after that point. But, you know, they basically all left within the next um, short period of time. Well, and my point is, is the, the array but of people. Yeah, Juan Valdez was the last Marine to leave the embassy. Marine to leave the embassy. He, you, you talk with him, Frank uh, Snap, um, Alt-Ron Nesson, there, McClo- uh, Pete McCloskey, who was a... Uh, a critic of the war, uh, a Republican who was very critical of the war early on and, and remained that way throughout uh, the, the our involvement. All kinds of people, including Vietnamese uh, uh, people who were also a uh, you know, big part of the story of what happened. Uh, the access to these people, their level of, uh, of openness in discussing what happened makes for a wonderful film and I'm so so happy and honored that you're able to to find some time to be here on film school really well Charlie. thank you I've enjoyed speaking with you and and thank you for your nice words about the film hey, and let, let's remind our listeners once again you'll be at the new art uh, tonight that's Friday uh, September 19th uh, for the 7:30 did I get that right 7:30 screening? Yeah, it's uh, you know what it's either seven or seven thirty. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, that's okay. Check your local listings, as they say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it, you can find that out. People who are going to see the movie are going to check what time. It's seven thirty. Oh, seven thirty. Thank you. Uh, you'll be there tonight to do a Q and A after that screening. Uh, and and again, I also want to salute uh, your the body of work that you have put together uh, is is remarkable as well. Uh, again, uh, thank you, Mr. President Helen Thomas at the White House. By the way, I, I, I interviewed Helen. Uh, in the later parts of, uh, I think, probably about 2000 and, I'll say 2008. She was wonderful, wonderful person. So, yes, indeed she was. And uh, and then uh, Ghost of Abu Ghraib, uh, A Boy's Life, Pandemic Facing AIDS, and many, many other films at Moxie Firecracker Films. You can find out more. but And also Ethel, pardon me, and your most recent uh, project, Ethel, uh, Sundance Film Festival. Uh, award winner, I believe. He won at some Emmys for that, five primetime Emmys for uh, Ethel, and uh, just a terrific filmmaker, and thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, nice talking to you. Take care. All right. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.